This is the Birth Village Podcast. Welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. I'm Morgan Brower, and today I am joined by Dr. Katie Smith, who is going to be telling us about her birth story. If you listened to last week's episode, we got to hear from her doula, and today we're going to be hearing from the woman herself and get to hear more of the details of that story, and it's going to be a good one. Before we jump into that, if you are interested in attending the doula retreat that we talked about last week, you can check out more information about that on Trisha's Instagram at Trish Baird, or you can check it out at www.empoweredbirthwithtrisha.com. We still have a couple of spots available, so yeah, jump on and check that out. And just a reminder about the expo that we have coming up. Um, It is on August 5th, and you can make sure that you're following the Southern Utah Birth Expo page. The link is in the episode description and all of that, but you can check all of that out if you're interested in coming and we can't wait to see you there. Katie, I'm so excited to hear from you today. If you guys missed it, Katie was on our very first episode, but we didn't really get to know you as much as we're going to get to know you today. So I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me, Morgan. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to tell us about yourself before we jump into the, the birth story? Yeah, so a little bit of background behind me and my pregnancy. Um, This was my first pregnancy. Um, Our due date was uh, May 4th. And I am a high-risk pregnancy. I have type 1 diabetes. So that made my journey a little bit different than what I would have loved to have a home birth, (laughs) but that wasn't an option for me. So I got to deliver in the hospital, and honestly, I wouldn't have changed it in any way way. It was awesome. Oh, yay. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, Let's get going then. Tell us about your labor, start to finish. Okay. So with having type 1 diabetes, I was going in weekly for non-stress tests. And at our 39-ish, almost 40-week appointment, we went in for our ultrasound and saw that our fluid levels had dropped. The previous week, I was a 12 fluid level-wise, and then that week, I was a 5. So Whoa. it's like a big significant drop. Yeah. What is a non what does a stress test look like? So a non stress test is they hook you up to monitors, they monitor your uterus contracting and baby's heart rate for about twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And they just see like baby's heart rate elevate, baby's heart rate drop, just kind of see how they react to stress. And they also do an ultrasound to see fluid levels. Um the fluid levels is correlated to placenta health. So okay. that's the reason why we kind of went down this journey of where my birth went yeah um was because they were afraid of placental fa- placenta failure which is kind of a risk for type 1 diabetics and di- okay diabetics in general gestational type 2 um so our non-stress test actual monitoring itself was awesome okay so the only thing that we had an issue with was that low fluid level so yeah we had our ultrasound, did the non-stress test, and then we got to meet with our midwife. And she came into the room, was like, you ready to have a baby today? And I was not <laughs> mentally prepared. Uh, no. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I just started crying. And she's like, Aww. oh, 
that was not what I was expecting. I was like, this is not what I was expecting. This yeah. is not what I wanted. I wanted a spontaneous labor, but I did a lot of work with mindset and had great support systems around me that it was like, okay, we knew that this was going to happen. That induction is likely, typically they take okay. type one diabetics at 38 to 39 weeks and I was able to almost go 40. So yeah. I was very thankful for that. Yeah. It's still hard when your plan changes. It was hard. Yeah. And just to like see, because in my mind at that point in time, I was like all the hard work that I just did just went down the drain. Yeah. But then my husband brought me back and he was like, you know what? Today's exciting. We get to meet our son soon and everything is still going to work out because you worked so hard for it. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. So we switched our mindset and he was totally right, which is. I'm glad that he was right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and it worked out in our favor. I couldn't have changed it for any other reason. So we went to labor and delivery that night and we were induced. Um, I was one and a half centimeters dilated when we went in. I was 39 and six days. So I was so close to being yeah. 40 weeks. And um, they first started me off with Cytotec which is a pill that they put next to your cervix to help it soften. Was that, uh, did, did you have that option or is that what they decided for you? That was the option. So technically I got to choose between Cytotec and Cervidel, which okay. is like the same thing, except one is placed every three hours and one is placed every 12. Okay. Um, so we decided to do the one that's placed every three. I thought that would maybe get things going sure. faster. Yeah. Um, so the, we started that at 7 p.m. and... Trevor, my husband, and I, we just hung out in <laughs> our room. We watched TV. Um, he eventually fell asleep. I fell asleep for a little bit. And then around 2 in the morning, I started having abdominal cramping, which our nurse told us that she was that was going to happen. And I first just want to say shout out to all the nurses in the hospital because mm-hmm. the nurses that I had were amazing. Yay. So um, she knew that I wanted an unmedicated birth and that my doula would eventually show up. Uh-huh. But she was there for me. She was like, if you need counter pressure, if you want hot towels or anything, like, let me know because I'm here. The nurses were so awesome. And honestly, I couldn't have done it without them. We really do have some amazing nurses here in St. George. Yes. And I'm super thankful for the ones that I had. Um, So the abdominal cramping started around two. And I didn't want to wake up Trevor because I knew he had a long day at work. (laughs) And it's just going to get longer. Right. So I let him sleep. And... The cramping was totally like something that I could do on my own. Yeah. And then around 4 a.m. Can I ask you, you're calling it cramping. Are you differentiating that from contractions? Yeah. Okay. So it didn't really feel like a surge or a wave. Okay. They were just pretty constant like abdominal menstrual cramps. Okay. Um, And then around 4 a.m., that's when they started feeling more like contractions. Okay. Like where I would get a surge and then yeah. it would go down. And I was just kind of rocking in the bed and Trevor woke up and was like, do you need, do you need help? And I was like, yeah, I think it's time. I just kind of <laughs> wanted you to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he got up and we started moving around, walking around the room and the nurse came back in and I was telling her that these contractions were good, but I was mostly feeling them in the front. Like I didn't have any back labor, just straight up front contractions. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you should try getting in the shower. And I was like, 
I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so Trevor and I went into the bathroom and he got the shower ready for me. And that honestly like felt amazing. That was the only thing that helped me during my labor was water. Okay. Um, so he was spraying the shower head on my abdomen and that felt really good. And we were just hanging out, listening to some good music, dancing around, having a good time, just kind of enjoying this beginning start to our labor before we knew it would get real. Yeah. I love that. So that was a lot of fun. After that, um, we kind of got done with the shower and I was just walking around the room and I was like, you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time that we text Trisha because I really have to think about these contractions. They're not just like something easy going anymore. Like I have to stop and breathe. And it's kind of like when your birth team shows up, you're like, okay, yeah, like let's get the show going. So I knew as soon as Trisha would get there, I would feel at ease and my contractions would pick up even more. Yeah. So my husband texted Trisha. She got there around seven ish. Also, my timing is not great because <laughs> I've been in labor land. Yeah. So. That's so weird. <laughs> you can't, can't keep track of time when you're in the middle of labor. No. Um, so she got there around seven and she and Trevor helped fill up the tub. and The tub was amazing. I got to ask, um, what room were you in? So we were in a lower intervention room. So we weren't in the Simply Birth Suite, but we did have a tub. That's awesome. I didn't know that was available to high-risk moms. I didn't think so either. I just asked. So cool. we got there and to the hospital when they checked us in, and she just put us in a regular room. And mm-hmm. I asked her if they had a lower intervention room or a tub room available. Cool. And the charge nurse said yes. So then she moved us into a tub room and I'm very thankful for that. Yes. Because <laughs> lifesaver. Yeah. Right then and there. Cool. So. And one more question. Are you a water girl out like yes. in life? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love baths. Yeah. Showers. That's like where I like my stress reliever. Like if I yeah. have a stressful day, I'm taking a hot shower before bed or a bath. Yes. So I know water isn't for everybody, but water was definitely... Yeah. Something I wanted. I'm the same way. (laughs) Okay. So you're in the tub. So we're in the tub and we're just going through contractions. With it being an induced labor, my contractions weren't like a physiological labor where your contractions would be like every five minutes apart, three, two, you know, make your way till you get to pushing. My contractions were pretty back to back. Oh. So I would have one, have a little break and then have another. Okay. So it was pretty intense from there on out. Okay. Still manageable. And the one thing that honestly, like I could have done it without the water. The one thing that helped me the most was Trevor. He would count for me. So he, I would tell him like, okay, we're having another one. And he would just count. Okay. Four second inhale. One, two, three, four, four second exhale. And just keep doing that throughout the whole contraction. And that honestly helped me the most. Is that something you guys planned and prepared for? We always did like meditation and breath work at home, even before pregnancy. Okay. Um, But no, that's nothing that we talked about, but he just saw that I needed it. Cool. I read the Bradley Method book. And in the book, they have a chapter of like what your wife or partner needs during labor. Ooh. And I had him listen to that. 
Okay. Because I thought that was important. And he he did. He listened to it multiple times. He actually listened to it. It's like 15 minutes long, the chapter. He listened to it on our way to the hospital. (laughs) And it just talks about like what you need to make sure that is happening for your laboring partner. Like, are the lights too bright? Does she need water? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Breath work. Is she relaxed? So I feel like that really helped him knowing how he could help me. Yeah. So... That was like my biggest thing. And then Trisha was there. Um, same thing with the, there's like a shower head connection in the tub. Mm-hmm. Spraying that on my abdomen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Good stuff. Literally <laughs> the best. Um, a little bit later, I think it was around like 9 a.m. or so, the nurse came back in and was like, hey, just got off the phone with your midwife. She wants to start Pitocin. And I was like, okay, we've been progressing every hour since we started can we wait an hour and see if I keep progressing and if not then we can start the Pitocin and she was like yeah I think that's great and I was like me too yeah (laughs) and I just kept reminding reminding myself like you just have to get to five centimeters getting to five centimeters is the hardest part after that it's going to be easy I I'd I'd like to ask you to talk about why you wanted to wait to start the Pitocin I wanted to wait because I knew mentally as soon as I got that Pitocin I my labor would, or my birth journey would go more medical okay, than natural um, because these contractions were already intense from the side attack mm-hmm. that I knew that with Pitocin, they would just get even more hardcore. And I didn't even see the reason why I needed it, especially if my body was progressing. Yeah. I mean, I've only had been laboring since probably like 4 a.m., it's only 9 a.m. Like, that's not that long of a time. Mm-hmm. So I thought I deserved an hour, and I just asked the nurse politely if that's all that I could have. And mm-hmm. she said, yeah. Um, and how did you, what prepared you to, to know that you were allowed to ask for that hour? So Trevor and I took Trisha's Bradley Method childbirth course. And in that course, she just kind of talks about things that you can ask for things that are kind of required at the hospital and your different options. Cause you do have options at the hospital. It's not just go in and it's their way. It's actually your way. You're in charge of your room. Yeah. So I knew that I had the option to ask yes or no. Uh huh. So, well, I love that you went in prepared enough to know that you were allowed to ask for that. And it sounds like that interaction went really smoothly as well. Yeah. I was honestly thinking that I would probably get a little bit more pushback. Uh But I didn't. And I think it was just because I was so confident in myself and the fact that my labor was going in a good direction. Yeah. Baby's heart rate was good. My heart rate was good. Mm -hmm. I had monitoring on me. You know, I was still following, quote, the rules. Yeah. So I felt like I deserved an hour just Mm -hmm. to see if my body would keep progressing. And it did. And let's talk about your monitoring real quick, too, because... Which which monitoring did you have? Yeah. So with the monitoring, I knew being high risk that I wouldn't have to be monitored. Yeah. So when we first got to the hospital, they did the traditional monitor two bands on your abdomen for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her if I could have the cordless option. And like I said, my nurses were great. They're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I got the cordless option. Um, it's just like this giant device that goes on your abdomen and it kind of goes out in like four directions. Um, so I was able to get in and out of the tub and walk around and didn't have any cords. Awesome. Same thing with my IV. I had a saline lock. So the IV was placed, but 
there was no cords. I didn't have any saline. So they just put a lock on it just in case if something were to happen and they needed it. Yeah. It was there. It was there, but it wasn't in use. Yes. Yeah. So pick your battles. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> um. So yeah. So the nurse came in. We denied the Pitocin for an hour and she came back an hour later and I was progressed. So um, I don't really remember my exact dilation because I wasn't, I was trying not to focus on the numbers. Yeah. I just wanted to know that my numbers were progressing. Okay. Even if it was one, like if I went from a three to a four, that's yeah. still good. Yeah. Compared to if I went from like a three to a six, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to keep progressing, but I didn't really care the exact number. Sure. Um, so we just kind of went from there. We kept being in the tub Every once in a while, I would get out because I was hot, Yeah, walk around. Um, While in the tub, I would kind of recline back. I would squat in the tub and then go to all fours. So I wasn't just stationary in the tub. I was always moving around Mm -hmm. just because I wanted to make sure that he, he, my baby, kept moving down into my pelvis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a little bit later, I... This is where I actually hit labor land. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't remember where anybody was, what I was doing. I was just <laughs> focused on these contractions. Um, but in the background, I heard that my midwife, Katie, would be here in at 1030. And I was like, okay, cool. She'll yeah. be here at 1030. I can do this. I can wait till 1030. I can wait till 1030. We're 10:30. good. And then we waited. I was still in labor land. And. I remember looking up at my husband, Trevor, and being like, what time is it? He's like, it's 1045. I was like, where's Katie? <laughs> yeah. It's time. It's time. Um, so Katie came. Um, I got out of the tub so she can check me. And I was, she was like, yeah, like, we can ready to have this baby. And I was like, yes, let's get this child out of me. Yeah. Doing the work that I do, being a chiropractor, mostly seeing prenatal, everybody talks about I wouldn't say everybody. Majority of people talk about how pushing is so relieving mm-hmm. and how that felt good to them. So I was like excited to feel that. Yeah. So I was like, yes, this is it. I'm ready for some relief. <laughs> I'm ready for some relief. I actually found pushing was a lot harder for me. <laughs> okay. So I would have taken three more hours of labor over pushing. Really? And I think it actually came down to my mind. Okay. This is like a big journey, right? Transition. Mm-hmm. You're transitioning into a mom. Yeah. If this is your first, second, third, whatever it may be, you're transitioning into a new person. Yeah. And me being such a type A control that at that point in time, I just had to let go. Mm. And it was really hard for me. Yeah. But it is hard. <laughs> I did all the work, the mindset preparation, energy sessions that when it came up, I was like, okay, I know what to do. Um. But that feeling came up when, so we got out of the tub and I was on all fours and I was starting to feel pushy, but it was just too intense. I was like, this mm. is too much. I need to move. Okay. And I think it was because mentally I was holding myself back, but my body was like, you can have your baby any point now. Mm. So we moved, I moved onto my side and that actually did not feel good at all. So I just kept listening to my body and I was like, okay. So we moved into more of like a on my back squatting position. Um, and that's where I delivered my baby. And that's what felt comfortable to me. Yeah. 
And eventually I let go of the control and my baby came out. I pushed for about 45 minutes. Okay. Um, but I took my time with it. Yeah. I wasn't coach pushed. I followed my contractions. I breathed my baby down. And yeah, it was hard work, but we did it. We did it without any tearing. I'm so thankful for that. That's amazing. And from what I hear, you're, you're, everybody was in awe by you uh, with the no tearing, with the breathing your baby down, with all of it. It's not necessarily normal, especially for a hospital birth. Yes. That was one thing that I noticed um, when I got up to mom and baby. Um, every time they would do like a shift change or whatever it may be, they always made it a point to be like, oh, and she's intact. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't have any tearing. And I remember like when we were leaving the hospital or when I had to go to the bathroom for the first time, it was like, can I help you? And I was like, no, I'm okay. Like (laughs) I didn't have any medication. Like I was moving around, but that's just something that they usually don't see. They usually see medicated epidural birth, which is great. It's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But I personally didn't need that extra help that somebody else would have. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It was different. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. That was something that came to a shock to me after. You're like, delivery. what are you, I'm fine. What's all the fuss fine. about? Yeah, <laughs> we're having a good time right now. Like, <laughs> I don't need to, please don't touch me. I'm okay. <laughs> um, Can we talk a little bit more about your surrender and that pushing? Yeah. Um, At what point do you, did you feel that release and how soon did your baby come after you surrendered. So I first want to give out a shout out to Mallory. She um, helped me kind of prepare this part for labor. She is an energy doula and she was actually there at my birth. And going up to birth, I was doing energy sessions with her, I think like once every two weeks or so. Um, So when I was on all fours pushing and I felt that intense pressure my first like I was like okay I need to get out of this that was like my first mind like thought Mm. it wasn't until a little bit later that I was like oh the reason why I felt that was because I'm in transition I Mm. need to I need to let go Mm -hmm. this is my body telling me to let go so at first when transition hits just to clear up so at first when transition hits you kind of were like no, 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 no. Yeah. And not because you needed to stop, not because you were unsafe, but just because you were almost like mentally unready for a transition. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. I felt like it was just happening. It wasn't in the grand scheme of things. My labor was a perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind being in it, I was like, how are we already here? Yeah. Like this is actually happening. Yeah. I'm going to have a baby in my arms in a hour or yeah. so, a couple of minutes. So I just needed to take some time and breathe and relax. And it just helped to like focus on my husband the whole entire time. Yeah. Um, And just remember like we knew that this was happening. Like we knew that we were going to have a baby and we're all prepared. Everything is ready. And it's just hard, you know? Yeah. Bringing in your firstborn because now you're somebody new. You're a mom. Mm-hmm. You're in charge of this small human being. So I 
just had to surrender to that control. And that was like one thing that always came up in my energy sessions was control. Mm. Was like, you just need to let it go. Yeah. So I did. I just let it go. And then that's when we started making progress with my pushing. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, and then he was born and yes. perfect. perfect. And <laughs> what were some of the things that happened immediately after he was born? So uh, during my last contraction, they checked his heart rate. My monitor actually got wet in the tub so when i was oh. pushing my monitor the heart rate monitor for the baby wasn't actually working oh man <laughs> so on my last contraction the nurse held up a doppler to check his heart rate and it was quite low so they were like hey this is it like you need to get him out yeah i feel like that was when i like came back to uh-huh. from labor land and was like okay here we go here we go and he was already uh, like pushing on my perineum for probably like a couple pushes before that. So mm-hmm. I already knew he was there. It's okay. not like I had to work him all the way from my top pelvis down. He was already there. I just had to push him out. It was just time to get serious. It was just time to actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I did. So during that push, he came out um, head full of hair. And I was like, one thing, <laughs> like, is he going to have hair? I don't know. Because I didn't have heartburn, you know, like the yeah. traditional midwife's <laughs> tail. Yeah. Um, yeah, so much hair. And he came out and they just placed him right on my chest. And we waited for um, his cord to stop pulsating before cutting it. That's different yeah. than a normal hospital experience as well. Yeah, so it was awesome. And Katie showed me the cord. She's like, hey, it's it's white. It's done pulsating. Are you ready to cut it? I said, yeah. So we cut the cord. Who cut it? Actually, Mallory did. Trevor, really? Trevor did not want to cut the cord, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. I didn't want to cut the cord, so um, Mallory got the honor to cut the cord. Cool. And, um, yeah, Zane was just on my chest looking around, came in screaming, which is good. <laughs> so I knew that he was doing good. His lungs were Healthy working. Lungs, yeah. Yeah, that's what we want. It's a screaming baby. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they laid him on my chest and pretty much everybody left the room. Wow. Yeah. I was super thankful for that because I didn't even have to tell them to leave. Okay. Like everybody, once they like did a quick few vitals on Zane and me, they were out. Do you think that's because they just like caught the vibe? They knew that you wanted a more natural experience? I think so. It was also my birth plan that I wanted us to be alone. So I don't know if my midwife told the nurses that. That that was your plan. That I wanted everybody to leave. Okay. Um, But I did. You know, your baby is that golden hour. They're only awake for an hour before they kind of get drowsy again and fall back asleep. And then Mm -hmm. they're very confused on where they're at. (laughs) Yeah. So that first hour was something that was super important to me. I wanted to bond with me, my husband, and our baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got that. So everybody left the room and we hung out for a little bit. And then the um, nurses came back in and did all of his checks, weighed him, things like that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Childbirth is a beautiful experience and doesn't have to be an intimidating event. 
You can take steps to ensure that you're mindfully prepared for childbirth so that when the big day comes, you're confident about your plans and you feel supported in your desires. Mindfully Prepared Birth is an online self-paced course that will help you prepare for a variety of birthing options so that you can give birth in awareness, feel supported in your decisions, and feel strong and powerful. This class is great for anyone preparing to give birth, no matter their preferences. It teaches how to prepare your mind and body for labor because both are so crucial to good birth outcomes. It also teaches the variety of options you can choose from when preparing for birth, as well as how to choose a provider and how to talk to your provider to make sure you get what you want. It goes over the stages of labor and how to write your customized birth plan. There's focus on helping you feel confident in your ability to make the best decision for yourself and your baby, which I love. And there's even a full breastfeeding course taught by an international board-certified lactation counselor to help you have a positive breastfeeding experience. Everything in this course is evidence-based and can really make a huge difference to your birthing experience. Use the code BIRTHVILLAGE for $25 off this amazing childbirth course. And check out their website at www.mindfullypreparedbirth.com for more information. Okay, let's talk about all the prep that you did to that allowed you to have such a beautiful, easy experience. Uh, pff, easy, relatively easy, right? Like, <laughs> it, was, it was some hard work, but... Yeah, yeah, definitely hard work, but I mean, easy in the way that it flowed really well. It just start to finish, it just happened. There weren't really yeah. interruptions and stuff like that. Uh, what would you attribute all of that too. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that really kind of helped me get what I want. First of all, everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and things happen for you, not to you. Yeah. So that was like my big mindset that this is way it was going to go. My biggest thing was my support team. So I loved our midwife, Katie. She knew exactly what I wanted. And in our first appointment, I laid it out for her. I was like, this is this is the type of birth that I want. Is this something that you can help me with? Yeah. And she said, yeah. If all of our like blood sugar things for type 1 diabetes stays regulated and you and baby um, are healthy, then yes, we can do all of these things. So that was like my biggest thing is finding a provider that will help you and you will help them. Do you have any advice on how to find that type of provider? Yes. Go out and meet them. Okay. So Katie wasn't the first person that I interviewed. I interviewed multiple OBs in the St. George area until I found somebody that I liked. Really? And it's totally okay. They don't, they don't know. And they honestly want you to find somebody that, aligns with your values too yeah okay so this is katie Gubler, and she's a nurse midwife yes she's a certified nurse midwife under dr lunt i love this love her so when finding your provider take your time and do your research and figure out who you want and go in and ask the big questions in your first appointment that way you're not so far along and you're like hey I want this. What does this look like for you? And it's not the answer you want. Yeah. 
So I highly recommend that. And you maybe being in this community were a lot more prepared than a lot of first time moms would be because you had an idea of what you wanted a birth to look like probably before you were, were even pregnant. Yes. <laughs> True. Okay. So that I think is a, is a pretty big deal probably. And maybe a testament to women who aren't pregnant, like maybe start dreaming up what kind of experience you want to have so that you are prepared whenever it happens for you. For sure. I started interviewing people um, even before I was pregnant. Really? Like I went in for my yearly women's exam and was like, hey, we're going to start trying to get pregnant this summer. I'm just looking for a provider. These are some questions that I have for you. Are you okay with answering them? And they, of course, said yes. And then they gave me their honest opinion because there was no pressure. I wasn't pregnant yet. Yeah. Um. And I was just kind of doing my due diligence to see which provider was best for me. Which one would I flow better? Because birth is such a sacred, intimate time that if you don't feel like your provider is protecting you or protecting your birth portal, it's going to make it way harder Yeah, for you. So yeah. once I talked over things with Katie, I felt really confident in having her there. Yeah. Um, because I knew that if something were to have changed she would have like put her foot down and been like, no, we like yeah. need to get this baby out. Cause that's a part of the trust too. Yes. Being able to know that they're going to do what is right by you and baby, not just what you want them to do, but also really, really take into consideration what you want. Yes, exactly. And there are some amazing providers out there just like Katie. So yeah, we have some great providers here in town and you just have to meet them. And it's also, I mean, my support team was more than just my provider. But I mean, mm -hmm. it's like with anybody that you pick on your support team, it's going to be different for each person. Just mm -hmm. who you connect with. Yeah. Um, like for our doula, Trisha, I knew ex I knew immediately that I wanted her there. Mm -hmm. But other people might have wanted, you know, somebody else as their doula, which is fine. So you just need to go out and meet people. That way you feel protected in your space. And Trisha knew that during our prenatal visits that I could be pushed. Mm. That like if I was starting to have the like giving up moment, she knew that she could push me. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I loved. And you had that rapport established yes. early on. And I knew her really well. So we were talking, we, me, my husband were talking and Trisha was like the emotional aspect for me. She was the one that was like, there to help me with my emotions. Mm -hmm. Mallory was there to help me spiritually to like get over things like transition. And then my husband was my coach. He was there to like make sure that I was getting water and I was moving and helping me count and pushing me because he knew that I could do hard things. Mm -hmm. He's always been there for me. Mm -hmm. And he's your partner. And he's my partner. He knows you the best. So that's like one thing that I wouldn't have changed is my support team. Yeah. My provider, my doula, Mallory, who's my second doula, and then my husband. That That's was awesome. You know, surrounding yourself with that support team, just hearing people like say like, you got this, mm -hmm. you're doing great, mm -hmm. you're almost there. It's yeah. exactly what you want to hear, but it needs to be coming from the right person. Yeah. I really appreciate the way that you've described the different roles that e each person of each person in your support team played because husbands can do something different than doulas can do. Yes. 
And doulas can do something different than husbands can do. Yes. They all play just this really unique role. And I think it's amazing how you established the team that you knew that you would need and mm -hmm. would want. Yeah. So good for you. <laughs> Thank you. That was, I knew I didn't want a ton of people at my birth because like I said, I feel like birth is so sacred that I wanted to keep it intimate, but I knew I needed these people. Mm -hmm. Like they all played a role in my birth and I wouldn't have changed it in any way. How did you, how did you know what you would need? Did you visualize a lot? Like what are, did, does that question make sense? Yes. Okay. I did do a lot of visualization. Um, Mallory actually helped me a lot with this and it wasn't the actual aspect of I'm going to labor in the tub. I want to do this. It was more of like emotion. What do you want to feel during birth and labor? Okay. And I just kept saying like, I wanted to feel powerful in control because that's just who I am as mm -hmm. a person. And I wanted to feel love. And so I surrounded by people who love me. These, all these people are my friends. Yeah. So I wanted people there that would support me through this journey without any judgment. Mm -hmm. So and they did. Yay. I love the support system that you had. I love all of those people. Well, I don't know Trevor that well, but <laughs> I we love, love Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that kind of all on the support system yeah. side of things? Okay. All on the support system. Um, the next thing that was like a huge role was blood sugar regulation. Yeah. With the type one diabetes. Yes. S blood sugar is just a whole other topic, but we'll just kind of skim the top. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a topic that we definitely will be talking about. Uh, we'll have you on later to talk a little bit more about gestational diabetes specifically and just diabetes in general. Uh, but let's hear about your experience. Yeah. So, with blood sugar regulation, so I have an insulin pump, which is pretty much like an external pancreas. It gives me insulin when I need it with how many carbs that I'm intaking. Mm -hmm. And carbs are good and bad, you know. You have fruit that has carbs. You have chips that have carbs. <laughs> yeah. Baked goods. Lots of carbs. Carbs get a bad rap, but we need carbs. <laughs> we do need carbs. They just need to be good carbs. Yeah. Um. So one thing that I put a lot of pride in is, so they check your there's this thing called your A1C and it's pretty much just your blood sugar over three months and where it is. So below 5.7 is the normal range. Up that is pre-diabetic. Above that is diabetic range. My blood sugar A1C was 4.7 my whole pregnancy. So it's even better than non-diabetics. Yeah. But it's because I was so strict with my diet. Yeah. You guys, I can vouch for this. Katie is like... Well, you said you're kind of a controlling personality, right? <laughs> she, I, I mean, I feel like you were perfect. And it was, but it also, like, I knew that if I had something like a baked good, I would feel so bad afterwards. Yeah. Like, I just would not feel good. Mm -hmm. Even though it was so tempting and I wanted a cookie or a donut. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that if I ate that, I would be in trouble. So <laughs> I worked really hard. And I shouldn't even say diet. It's just the way that I eat. That's yeah. That's the way I eat now. It's, it's your way, lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. I mostly eat protein and fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, blood sugar regulation, 
was a big thing because that was what made me high risk. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't give them a reason. They, the hospital, mm-hmm. give them a reason to have a birth that I didn't want. To deny you yes. what you wanted. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I worked really hard. I exercised to keep my blood sugar down. I made sure to drink plenty of water, had a good diet. Stress levels were down. Yeah. Because all those things can influence your blood sugar regulation. And I honestly think that every pregnant woman should have a continuous glucose monitor, which is something that goes on your body and it monitors your blood sugar. Um, The one that I have stays on my body for 10 days and then I have to replace it. Mm -hmm. Just in the fact that some foods will spike your blood sugar than others, but you don't know that. Yeah. For an example, for me, if I eat a banana, my blood sugar will spike. But I can have an apple and be completely fine. Interesting. It's just how your body processes certain foods. So Yeah. And with keeping my blood sugar regulated, my baby, his size was in the normal range. Because it's probably one of the bigger things that they see is diabetics have bigger babies. Mm-hmm. And that's usually why they induce sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Zane was six pounds, seven ounces and 20 inches long. Like he was an average size baby. But I believe that was because my blood sugar was so regulated and it was a lot of discipline and a lot of hard work. But like I said, it was, it meant more to me to stay in that normal range. That way I could get the birth that I deserve and the birth I wanted. Yeah. And that felt more important every time than a cookie did. (laughs) And don't get me wrong. Like sometimes I would have a cookie and it would be great. And then sometimes I would have another cookie like two weeks later and my blood sugar would spike. And Mm -hmm. then I'd have to go exercise to bring my blood sugar down. But that just shows that you have options. Like if you need to eat a cookie, you can just exercise after. (laughs) Yeah, you eat the cookie and, you know, you just have to plan accordingly. Like you don't just eat a whole bag of chips I would always measure it out. Yeah. And this is what I got. And I knew that I would have to exercise today or whatever it may be. So, yeah. And by exercising, I don't mean like going out to the gym every time. Like sometimes I would just go for walks or yeah. I would walk my stairs. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's hard during pregnancy because there's so many hormones that are happening that I could do something one day and the next day it would be completely different. Mm. So it's kind of, you have to roll the obstacles and the punches and, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Which is actually um, another thing that helped me prepare is there's a book called Obstacle is the Way. And I think every pregnant woman should read it. Okay. It has nothing to do about pregnancy. <sighs> okay. It's a mindset book. But during pregnancy, birth, labor, postpartum, an obstacle is going to come up. And you have to yeah. learn how to get over it. Yeah. Because if you just sit and dwell then things aren't going to progress or it's going to get worse. So you have to learn how to get over things. So um, it's a great book. Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up. I'll put it in the show notes. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great book. Great mindset book. Like I said, not pregnancy related. So you don't necessarily have to be pregnant, but if you yeah. want a good mindset book, that is a good one. To awesome. Learn how to get over those obstacles. And that's one thing that I learned that every day is different and an obstacle is going to come up, but you have to be okay with that obstacle and your choices. Mm -hmm. You're going to go down this road or this road. 
and not just sit there at the rock and be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So awesome. Blood sugar. It's, it's a crazy thing to deal with. Yeah, it is. And a really kind of common thing for pregnant people, pregnant women to be dealing with. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes you'll have women who struggle with low blood sugar. Yeah. Where they get dizzy and nauseous and they need to be eating bananas and such. They need to eat more. (laughs) (laughs) And then we actually have the opposite where people's blood sugar is higher. And we need to also acknowledge that and figure out what you can do instead of just taking the traditional Western medicine way. Yeah. Do you have advice on resources for that if you're dealing with blood sugar issues? Yes. So Lily Nichols has a book called Real Food for Pregnancy. And then she has one for gestational diabetes as well. Okay. It's a great book. She has recipes in there. But she also just goes through what your blood sugar looks like, what nutrients you need to be intaking. And that's a great resource. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. She's awesome. So the other thing that helped me was the mindset. So we kind of already talked about um, Ryan Holiday's book, Obstacles the Way. Um, But I want to talk about the energy work that I did because I never really did energy work before getting pregnant. While I was pregnant, that's when I started. And it kind of opened a whole new realm for me. Making sure that I stay grounded to myself and to my goal, Mm -hmm. which was the birth that I wanted and deserved. Yeah. And mindset is really hard, especially for women, especially for moms. Because I feel like once you're a mom, your mind is only on your children. And at this point in time when I got pregnant, I told myself that I was going to be selfish. I was going to do things for me because I wanted to, and I wasn't going to give my energy away to other people. Um, And that honestly helped so much. I started getting massages and my husband's a chiropractor. So I've always gotten chiropractic care and body work, but I never really got massages or went to yoga and did my energy work. Like I took the time for myself. I said no to events that I thought would be emotionally draining and not good for me. Mm-hmm. If I knew that I could spend my time doing something else, then that's what I did. Yeah. And it's okay to feel that way. It's yeah. okay to be selfish, especially during this time of motherhood where you're growing a human and then postpartum where you're taking care of a small human. Yeah. It's okay to be you. You have to take care of yourself to be able to have enough yeah, energy and stuff to take care of. You're tiny human. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me was kind of letting go, but also taking control. Yeah. Because I would used to just like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Let me help you with this. And during this time, I was like, you know what? I can delegate. I can give this task to you and you're going to do great with it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's OK to take your time and be selfish and do things for you. Especially if you have other kids at home. Because mm-hmm. I know that's really hard for women. Yeah. Um, I exercise regularly, but I didn't push myself. So before getting pregnant, I was working out at CrossFit probably six times a week. Okay. Once I got pregnant, 
the further along I got, I probably went down to like two to three times a week. Mm. But I was okay with it. It just was what felt right to you? If it's what felt right to me. Um, you want to stay physically active during your pregnancy, but it's okay that things change. Mm-hmm. And not to push yourself. Like, you are going to be 30 weeks pregnant. You're not going to be hitting your same PR that you were non-pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or just changing your workouts so you can do it safely is okay. Yeah. And walking is great. Yeah. Mobility, stretching is great. Mm-hmm. Yoga is great. Like there's so many other options, just getting out and moving your body. And I told myself, I just have to move my body for 45 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I need to go to the gym and lift weights. It, it can, can be a walk. It could be a walk. It could be my mobility before my bed time. Um, it could be yoga, whatever it may be. Just move your body for 45 minutes a day. Can we talk about your mobility stuff on your Instagram? Because <laughs> yeah. I send that to all of my preggy friends. <laughs> I'm like, here, do this. Here, watch this. If you can't do anything else, at least be doing these exercises. Yeah. Tell us about that just a little bit. Yeah. So mobility or stretching is something you should be doing during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I like to do it before bed because it just helps me wind down before bed. But some of them will do them in the morning, whatever it may be. Um, but during these movements, we're making sure that we don't lose our mobility. So when you're pregnant, your ligaments and muscles and everything are starting to relax, right? That way your pelvis can expand for a human to come through. With that, we want to make sure that our mobility stays good. That way, if you want to squat during labor, you have the ability to do so. If you want to lunge, you have the ability to do so. That's where it comes in for me is I wanted to make sure that I stay physically strong. That way in labor, if I wanted to squat, I could hold myself in a squat. Yeah. If I wanted to stand and sway, I could do that too. Whatever your body needed and wanted, you were able to comply. (laughs) Yes. Because you don't know what your body's going to need during labor. Yeah. Especially if you've been in labor before, this pregnancy might be different. different. So staying in tune with your body and just staying mobile is what works best i just want to give a testament to that and um i ran out of steam a little bit i did exercise during pregnancy and stuff but maybe not as much as i or not as many squats as i should have done or something and i was impressed by the fact that you said that you were like moving a lot especially during transition because for me personally that is when i was out of steam and my birth team would say do you want to try squatting and i'd be like yeah sure because i knew i should have moved um, and then when I would try to like squat, I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. And then I just like sit back down. So you guys listen, this is important. It is important. And like I said, it's hard because you don't know what your body's going to feel like or what your body's going to do during labor, but to be mentally prepared and physically prepared, like, mm-hmm. you know, that you need to keep moving your body. That way your bo- baby keeps descending into your pelvis. Yeah. So that mobility work was awesome. And it was nice because... It it took effort, but it wasn't like a hardcore exercise routine, right? Like, yeah, I would just set a timer for 10 minutes and I would just sit there and do my mobility work. I'd watch TV like I would just do it right mm-hmm. after dinner. Um, And like I said, it just helped regulate my nervous system. I would calm down from the day and make sure that I feel good. And honestly, like staying active is probably what helped me the most during my labor with like you said, moving and 
feeling good about everything. Yeah. So check out, you guys. I'm serious. Go check out Katie's Instagram at the mom Cairo because she has these weekly mobility exercises that she posted and you can just follow along. And like she said, do them while you're freaking watching TV. Like it doesn't have to be this big, huge deal, but do them because they'll be really helpful and beneficial to you. Yeah. And you can start off slow. You can start off with five minutes and work your way up to 10 or whatever it may be. Um, But that was one thing that really helped me because also during these mobilities, you practice on breath work. You practice relaxing your pelvic floor. You know, a lot of women talk about how, oh, well, I've been doing my Kegels and that's going to help me in labor. Well, Kegels contracting your pelvic floor. Well, when you're pushing out a baby, you need to relax your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So really focusing on breath work and relaxing your pelvic floor is what's going to help you during labor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, this this journey I'm very thankful for. And like I said, the birth that me and my son had was something that we both worked really hard for. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just given to us. Mm-hmm. We put in the work and we got what we deserved. Yeah. And I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Everything happened for us and happened for a reason. Yeah. Like I said in the beginning, when our midwife told us to go get induced. I bawled, oh. but I knew once after I talked to Trevor and Mallory and Trisha that this was our journey, mm-hmm. that we knew that this was going to be a possibility and I'm okay with it. Yeah. So I just had to let go of those feelings and everything worked out for us. Even having to change up a little bit of your birth plan, like you worked for what you wanted and even though some of it changed, you still did get in the end what you wanted. Yes. And the, like, one thing that was most important to me is I wanted to be there, like, physically there when my child was born. Yeah. Because I know sometimes people have adverse, like, um, effects on medicine. Sometimes you get, I mean, after delivery, you get the shakes no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it can be more hardcore when you're on Pitocin or if you have an epidural. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be all there to meet my son for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that was the most important thing to me. So I worked really hard for that. Yeah. And, you know, if things would have changed, then that was the journey that I was meant to be. But I also went in knowing I gave it all that I could. Yeah. I didn't think like while I was in labor, like, oh, shoot, I should have done this. Yeah. X, Y, Z. I knew going in that I did everything to help prepare my body for labor and delivery. I did the perineal massage. I did my mobility every day. I did the meditation. I did the breath work. I worked so hard. Mm-hmm. And now it was just up to me and my son to do this birth dance. And mm-hmm. we did. And it, like I said, it worked out. I think that's a really important point to mention that you went into it as prepared as you could have been. And probably if, say, something had to change say it had to go differently you had to get pitocin or whatever it I imagine that it would have been easier to accept that knowing well I did everything that I could have and this is just what we needed yes that's exactly the reason why I went in with that mindset yeah because when you're in the hospital everything is fair game yeah and whatever has to happen will happen Mm -hmm. yes yeah but you did everything that you needed to do and you got exactly what you wanted yes so 
the hard work pays off. Yeah. And I'm super thankful for all that. And I can't even talk about how I feel postpartum. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> being able to like take care of myself and take care of my son is so much easier. I mean, it's it's hard work. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I can't even imagine doing it. And that first 24 hours being medicated and coming off those drugs and having tears. You know, sometimes, like, we know things happen mm -hmm. and there's no way to change that. But I'm so thankful for the way that my body felt. That way I could give my son 100% of my time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> Are you, so your recovery's been smooth my recovery has been smooth majority yeah you know one thing that people don't prepare you is like this was my first time nursing a baby and <laughs> the mind the mind games that come with it right mm -hmm. like oh my goodness that first couple of days I hope he's getting enough and then your milk comes in and you're like why I can't stop leaking everywhere <laughs> 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 and you know it's just like a battle of trying to figure out nursing and your time management and mm -hmm. but mentally and physically we're doing great yeah good so okay well katie i i've said it i'm gonna say it again i think that you are so amazing and thank you so much for sharing your story with us thank I you i loved it it's a great story i'm so glad that you were able to have what you wanted i'm i'm really glad that you said that you wouldn't have changed anything because you mentioned at the very beginning, like you would have loved to have a home birth, but that wasn't an option for you. And it sounds like you just made the most magical experience happen at the hospital and you deserve a lot of recognition for all the work that you did to be able to have such a beautiful experience. Yeah. Okay. I lied. I have two things to say. <gasps> okay. Let's hear them. <laughs> One thing is not to get like obsessed with your birth space. Mm -hmm. I I had it where I was like, okay, we're going to put up these lights and it's going to be so dreamy. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> okay. Like I didn't put up anything in my hospital room. All that mattered to me was the people that were by me. Wow. That was okay. what I needed. So I know a lot of women stress about like, oh, well, I have to get my twinkly lights or my yeah. tea lights and everything needs to be perfect. And I want this smell to be going. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that matters is that you feel safe and surrounded by the people that you love you. So okay. I love that advice. Don't. And it's hard because we see these magical births on Instagram and YouTube and it's like, mm -hmm. I, I want that. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't your birth. That was somebody else's. So your birth is going to look different than somebody else's and mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And the last thing that I wanted to say is that if you work hard, you will get what you deserve. And, you know, sometimes birth is unpredictable and that's yeah. where learning to jump with the obstacles and it's okay if you get Pitocin, it's okay if you have an epidural, mm -hmm. it's okay if you have a cesarean birth, everything happens for a reason and that was your birth to have. So I don't want women to feel discouraged if they don't get the birth that they thought that they wanted yeah. and they got something else. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying both of those things. I'm glad that you thought of that before we stopped recording because <laughs> those were great things to say. 
Um, if you guys would like to check out Katie on Instagram, I've already said her name. It'll be in the, the episode description, but it's at the mom Cairo. This is Dr. Katie Smith, and she is a chiropractor at Crux Sport and Spine. Um, obviously, we always say it, but you can check us out at the Birth Village Podcast. Contact us at the Birth Village Podcast at gmail.com. We always love to hear from all of you. Um, we are hoping to get some like voice memo DMs from you guys. If you have anything to say, any questions to ask, anything like that, go ahead and, and send us a, a voice memo DM on Instagram so that we can put it on the podcast. Um, follow us, follow the Southern Utah Birth Village so that you can see all of the fun stuff that we have going on. This community is booming and growing and we're so excited to be a part of it. Um, With that being said, please always remember that empowered women empower women.